0: Well, it's so good to see you, Uh, so we are very few compared to what we should be, but it's good to see you because the fact that you are here, it means you are either recovered or you are at least not positive with COVID and we are thankful to God that uh, we are all able to meet and gather at uh, this particular time. Well, we know that God is uh, keeping his hands upon us even in the most difficult hours of our lives. And uh, we need to recognize that uh, when we go through times like this, we are not supposed to be afraid, but we are supposed to grow. I'll talk about this a little bit later. So today I want to speak about uh, a subject which I believe is uh, very important for every Christian, for every child of God to understand and to know. That talks about the outcome of uh, the plans and the purposes of God. And the outcome is determined. Okay? In short, we will win. Okay? No matter what we are passing through in these worlds, no matter what battles and trials we are facing, at the end of the day, we will win. And I want to uh, take time to speak a little bit about that today. Let me read from the book of Hebrews, chapter 6 and verse 17. The Bible tells us here, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It It enters into the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. And let me read from the book of uh, Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 22. The Bible reads here, But you have come to Mount Sion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven you have come to God the judge of all men to the spirits of righteous men made perfect to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks if they do not escape when they if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on Earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who wants us from heaven? This is a reference of the people of Israel who, who uh, did not really uh, obey when God told him to go into the promised land, but they turned back. Second Timothy chapter four verse seven. These are the words of Paul to Timothy. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Let us pray. Lord our God, we are so grateful for these powerful, encouraging words that you give to us time and time again. You have given us your word so that, Lord, we are not floating without direction in this world, but that we have a firm foundation, that we are able to be secure in everything that we do so that we know where we are going, what our destiny is all about. And we are grateful, Lord, for your continuous encouragement through your word. Lord, may your word speak to our hearts today and may we be able to pick it up and run with it in Jesus' name. Amen. There are a few questions which I want to pose to you today. Even so, they may be just rhetoric, but I think they're very important questions. And the first one is the question, do you know God tells us facts about our future. Are we aware that God speaks to us about our future? Now, generally, maybe we may very quickly say, oh, yes, of course, no problem. But I want to say to m- too many people, and that includes even Christians, we do not really pay attention to the plans of God. We are not really deep ingrained into the foundation of God's work. We take church very often as a mere motivational time, as a time of entertainment, as a time of fellowship. And yet God has given us 66 books in this volume called the Bible. And every one of these books speaks about facts that determine our living here on earth, but not just our living here on earth, but our living in eternity with God. It talks about our future. And God wants us to understand, God wants us to know where we are going. God is not a God of chance, who is trying that maybe it will work out at the end. Like we human beings, very often... You know, we are taking chances, and hopefully it will work, and if it doesn't work, we take another chance. God is a God who accurately plans everything that he's doing. And not only is he an accurate planner, but he has also published his intentions to his people. That's why we have this word, okay? God published everything that he is planning to do. He tells us the purpose for which he is going to do it. He's telling us the future that is waiting for us. And the Bible tells us that God has given us two pillars, unchangeable pillars that can never be changed. Number one, God has given us a promise. And as if that was not enough, he has also added an oath to it. And you know very well that an oath also, uh, you know, when we human beings uh, have to make a statement, maybe in court, you know, it's very easy to tell stories. It's very easy to bend the truth. That's why they will require people who make uh, make a statement to make an oath. In other words, they are swearing that this is the truth and nothing but the truth. Now, God is always speaking the truth. But in order to assure us, in order to make it clear to us that he is not just talking anything anyhow, he has actually made an oath on top of his promises. And the Bible tells us that it is impossible for him to lie. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? It's amazing. It's impossible for God to lie. So this promises that God has given to us plus the oath that he had put on top of it tells us that God is really taking care of everything that he is doing. And he is doing that so that, you know, we find hope that we have a ground where we can stand upon, a foundation that we can build our lives upon. And the Bible says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So in other words, what God is telling us, we are not supposed to remain where we are, okay? We, we may be able to come together, have time to worship together, but then God says, I'll take you into the inner sanctuary. That means where the presence of God is, where God himself is. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle or in the temple we have at Uh, three compartments in those places. in The tabernacle, the outer court or the temple, then the holy place and then the most holy place. Now these were just symbolic. These were just uh, demonstrations of what is uh, prevailing in the world of God. And far bigger than, of course, just a small tabernacle or a, a, a very limited temple. It is Huge and wonderful. And God says that we are going to not remain on the outer court, not even in the holy place that we are, but that we are going through behind the curtain where we are going to meet with our gods. That's why Jesus said he is the the, the one who is the way, the truth, and the life who takes us all the way to our Father. No one can find the way to the Father except the one who came from the Father. And Jesus is the way, he is the truth, he is the life. So, we should understand that God is telling us what is yet to happen. And I think it's very important in a time that we live right now, you know, when things things seem to be going out of bounds, uh, out of control in many ways, uh, that we know that God is still in control. God has still all things in his hands. He does not take chances, but he is completely and fully in control of everything that happens. He is never surprised about anything that is taking place, but he is fully aware of everything that goes on. The question that I want to pose next is, why is there so much fear despite that God has given us his promise plus an oath on top of it? You know, I'm, I'm often wondering, especially during this COVID time, that many people who are supposed to be very firmly established in Christ are actually full of fear. And you know, we must not allow fear to get a foothold in our life. Okay, because fear can can really pull us down. Fear can kill us. And that's why it is important that we do not allow fear to lodge in our hearts. Okay, the Bible tells us that the love of God drives out all fear, and God has poured his love into our hearts. So we must be very, very clear that we must not entertain the fear from COVID or from the world system as a whole, or from Satan or from demons or whatever. We must not entertain fear. You know, it, it baffles me that many Christians, they see behind every bush they see some demons. I want to tell you, even if they are there, I don't care. Because the demons have got no power over my life. Not even the devil has power over my life. Only God has power over my life. Okay? And if God decides that there should be some, some cleanup work being done by some demons and by, by, by some devils, so be it. But he, they are not in control. It's God who is in control. So I'm not afraid of demons. I'm not afraid of devils. I'm not even afraid of human beings. Okay, you know, the devil has got one, one uh, very uh, cardinal weapon that he uses all the time, and that is intimidation, okay? Intimidation in order to put us into, into a state of, of paralysis, into a state of fear, into a state of, of not being able to do the things that we should you know, one, one thing uh, I, I discovered at one time, or I, I, I watched at one particular time, is um, when we were staying in Lusaka West, you know, where uh, there's still a lot of bush, at least at that time there was still a lot of bush, now maybe it has changed, but of course where there's bush, there's snakes, isn't it? And uh, of course, you know, in places like this, you know, we had a, a camp there, and uh, you know, there was a kitchen, and, you know, where kitchens are, there are rats. Okay, they're coming to try and eat what is left over. And so rats would come to this place because they would find some leftovers in Shima and whatever is left from the, from the food. And because the rats were there, also the, the snakes got attracted. So at one time I was watching, you know, a, a, a rat... Uh, eating some, some shima, and then a snake came, and they were looking at each other. And you know, rats can run, okay? But the rat was so paralyzed, you know, it was looking at this, at this snake, <laughs> waiting to be swallowed. And for sure, the snake swallowed the, the rat, and, and I was seeing how the rat was going inside, how the, the belly was, you know, uh, was, was becoming bulging uh, of, of the snake, and then the snake ran away, okay? It was, it was an amazing uh, uh, display of what fear can do, okay? I, I'm sure the rat could have been outrunning the snake, but because the rat was paralyzed of fear, it would not run. It would just sit there and, you know, and and wait until it was swallowed. And it was swallowed. So don't allow the challenges of this world to swallow you up. Don't allow fear to lodge in your hearts. There is no reason for us to be afraid. Okay? You see, if you are seeing a policeman on the street, are you afraid? You're afraid when you are a thief. You're afraid when you have done just something which uh, requires you to be punished. But otherwise, you don't need to be afraid, isn't it? Neither do we need to be afraid when we are living in Christ because Christ has set us free from all the bondage of these worlds. And the devil has no say over our lives. The devil has got no influence of what is supposed to happen in our life. We serve God, and God has redeemed us from the bondage of Satan, from the bondage of slavery, and therefore we can be able to serve him and be able to walk with him on a daily basis. And no matter whether things are easy or tough, God is still in control. God is still in charge. And that we must never forget. The problem is we are rating our natural senses much higher than the promises of God. Okay, if you feel, okay, with your natural senses, there is is trouble coming to your life, you respond in a way that you are trying to withdraw. And yeah, that we must not do. Okay? We must know the promises of God and, and the Bible tells us clearly as, we have, as I've read earlier on that God has given us his promises. Why did he give us his promises? So that we know what the will of God is for our life. God has added an oath on top of the promise so that we never doubt the intentions of God. And therefore, We must not be afraid. We must not fear. Whether it's COVID, and yes, of course, we are all affected by this terrible pandemic. Right now, the hospitals are full of uh, patients, and some some of them are our relatives, some of them are our friends, some of them are our brothers and sisters from the church. Yes, they are there. Some of you have been there and thank God, God has healed you, and we give God praise for that. But we know that in all things, God will keep his hands over us. And you know, even if it would mean that our time on earth has come to an end, it doesn't mean that the promises of God are now not going to work out. Because God is not limited by this. Okay, God is beyond that. And let me just read this powerful scripture that I'm sure we all know uh, in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 8 verse 31 says, what then shall we say in response to these things? Okay, maybe these things could be COVID or could be any trials and troubles and difficulties that we are passing through. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Okay, all things, that means all of his promises. All that he has decreed in his word and gave to us through his his word in the Bible. Okay? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword, As it is written, for your sake we are facing death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Okay? If the devil could, he would. But thank God we are protected by God. And then the Bible says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life no angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor p- any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Isn't that powerful? And you know, don't forget, if God has decreed that is final. There is no other power that is greater than the almighty gods. And therefore, we must not be afraid. We must not allow our senses to take over. Okay? You know, there are realities which are greater than your feelings. There are realities which are greater than what you see around you happening. And God is definitely on our side. So what we need to do is that we need to translate the word of God into the situation in which we find ourselves in. And the word of God must get a higher authority than our feelings, than what people may say or do, or the news that are giving us all kinds of negative kind of impressions. The word of God must supersede all of that. And as the word of God says, who can separate us from the love of God? Who can, you know, be the power that will change what God has promised? It doesn't, such a power does not exist. Isn't it? So, the the, the problem that we often see is that human beings, and that includes even Christians, we allow circumstances To intimidate us and frighten us, and of course the devil uses those circumstances. But don't be frightened, don't be intimidated. We have got reasons to praise and, and and thank the Lord for for His wonderful love. Even if you don't see any reasons around yourself because everything looks to be bleak, God still loves you. Okay, God has still given you grace. God has still given you salvation He has given us his son, Jesus Christ. And I tell you, there are always good reasons to praise the Lord. Nothing can be so dark, nothing can be so bleak that you can say now all hope is lost. Okay? For sure, in my life, I've gone through such situations where it looked like all hope was lost. But in every situation I've seen God come through, Maybe not as fast as I would have laughed. Okay, because you know, we are always in a hurry. We, we don't want to sit out uh, the, the, the time that it takes for God to finish some of the work that he's doing. So we always want him to, to act now and, and, and today. But God never comes late. He will always complete and finish what he has started to do in our lives. Why is it that we find it much easier to believe bad news than good news? I'm asking you this question. You know, the newspapers are full of bad news, okay? Yesterday so many people died, the other day so many people died, so many new people are being infected, and we get intimidated. Am I right? It has a, it has a bearing on our minds. But I want you to shake this off your minds. And instead, allow the promises of God to have a bearing on your mind. Translate the word of God into your situation. Even beyond all of the negative stuff that we are facing. And yes, of course, the negative stuff is there. We, we can't run away from it. But there is always a truth that is greater, that is higher, that is more. Wonderful than anything that we can see in these worlds. So I think we must stop to play just religious games. But we must take God by his word. You know, very often people are utilizing, uh, you know, the the kind of religious... uh, The religious kind of uh, lifestyle. You know, we have got all the vocabulary. We know what to say at every one situation. But when trouble comes, then all of a sudden, we crack. And that must not happen. We must not crack. It is important for us to stand strong. And we can stand strong when we stand upon the promise of God, when we stand upon the oath of God, because God has given us enough solid foundation that nobody can ever shake us. So if you are shaking, I want to tell you, stop shaking. Okay? If you are afraid, I want to tell you, stop, be fearful, don't be afraid. You know, uh, it's very interesting that God has been telling his servant Joshua, uh, do not be afraid. Over and over again, if you're going to the book of Joshua, uh, chapter 1, you will find it being repeated over and over again. Now Joshua was taking over leadership from Moses, and that was a daunting task. He had seen Moses who was latched in life. you He had shoes, they were so big that He was afraid to, would never be able to feel them. And so when finally Moses was called by God, and God said to Joshua, it's your turn. It's you to continue to do the work. You know, uh, Joshua was intimidated. How do I know that? I know it because God repeatedly told Joshua, do not be afraid, fear not. Okay, so in other words, If he didn't fear, he would not have needed to tell him, isn't it? And so if you're afraid, read Joshua chapter 1, 2, and 3. You know, just read over and over again. Because God says there's no need to give fear a foothold in our lives. There's no need to be afraid because God is still God. The same God who took care of Moses is the same God who can take care of Joshua. And the same God who took care of Joshua can take care of your life. The same father who Jesus had such a wonderful and close relationship with is the same father who can take care of you as well. And you know, Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So why would you need to be afraid? So we must learn not to give a foothold, Not to allow anything or anyone to intimidate us. You know, one thing I have discovered is if you can be intimidated, then people continue to trouble you until you are reduced to a small kind of package. Okay? But if you stand strong, and you cannot be intimidated then they eventually have to give up i remember you know uh, thieves are very, very clever they are trying to to tell you stories which are which are lies so one day i was in town and um, i didn't i didn't know that uh, the guy who was coming to knock at my uh, at my window was a thief, but then of course he, he was knocking at my window and says, "No, your tire there is punctured." <coughs> so what he wanted me to do is uh, park my car, come out and check, you know. Because how can you drive with a punctured car? And I said, "No, I'm always driving with punctured cars." <laughs> so now the guy had nothing to say, you know. <laughs> Because you know he wanted me to to, to just stop and 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 and, and look at, at at my car. Meanwhile it was a lie. And it, it was just, you know, the wisdom of God. I, I I didn't plan this to say, you know. But but I just told him, I'm always driving these punctured cars. <laughs> so there was nothing you could do. Another time I was driving on Cairo Road, you know, I was looking for for a place where to park. Uh, a little bit further down, and then I I saw how some thieves were just trying to do the same kind of trick to uh, uh, a gentleman who had just parked his car there. So one was engaging him uh, on the driver's side, and the other guy was opening the door on the other side. So immediately I stopped my car, I jumped out, I shouted at them, and they ran. The man who they were trying to steal from didn't even know what was happening Okay? You see, the problem is that we are not confronting the evil. So much evil can happen because we are afraid. Okay? When, when you confront thieves, you know, they will run away. When you confront the devil, he will run away. The Bible tells us so. The Bible says resist the, resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee from you because the devil doesn't have power, okay? He works with stolen instruments, okay? Even this world is not his world. So what he does is trying to influence our thinking. He's trying to influence our mind. He's trying to um, intimidate us. And when we allow him to do that, then he will gain a foothold over our mind and he will be able to do what he He's trying to do, okay, trying to demolish us, diminish us in one way or the other, trying to steal from us. And so we must learn not to give the devil a foothold. Of course, certain things are happening which you can't change, but you must never allow the devil to gain a foothold in your life. That we must not do. So his love has been poured into our hearts to deal with fear in our lives. Let me read again this verse I had just read earlier on. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 24, the Bible says here, but you have come to Mount Zion. Hey, know who you are. You have access to the living God. Mount Zion is the place where you meet with the living God's. The heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. To the church of the firstborns whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men. To the spirits of the righteous men made perfect. So in other words, we must know in what company we are. Okay? Why would a demon... Intimidate you when you know these things are realities. Okay, why would you be afraid when God is in control of all things and the outcome of your life, the outcome of our life, the outcome of the building of the church is determined and we are gonna win at the end of the day? Why would we be afraid? My next question is, how can we toughen our faith in perilous times? I think this is important. You know, if our faith does not work now, when will it work? Okay? Our faith must work in tough times. Our faith must grow under pressure rather than disintegrate. If our faith disintegrates now, then it is not worth much probably it's not even faith. True faith is indestructible. Hey, I want you to, to write this down in your, in your Bible or somewhere, you know, write it down. True faith is indestructible. The more pressure it endures, the stronger it gets. The problem is that we entertain faith playing gimmicks. Okay, we call it face, but it's actually not face. It's just gimmicks. It's like baby face, okay? It's for the for the for the for the children's rooms, not for, for true life. It's like having a seat, but you keep it in the cupboard. What will the seeds do in the cupboard? Okay, you can say, no, it's very warm here. It's very nice here. It's not going to be destroyed here. It's, it's, I'll, I'll take good care of it. Actually, no, seed is supposed to be out and about. Seed is supposed to be sown into the ground. Seed is to be sown into a place where it is in hostile. Okay? Where there's rain, where, the, where it's wet, where it's actually going to destroy the seeds. But in fact, it doesn't destroy the seed. It will bear fruit. okay. It will bear new plants. So the seed is indestructible and that's how faith is. Faith is indestructible. Okay? You cannot protect faith. Faith must be out in the trouble spots. Okay? Now, as we are facing all these challenges around us, as many of our relatives may be affected, infected, be sick. Some of them may have died. You know, that's where we need faith. And I want to tell you, faith cannot be destroyed even by the worst weather at all. To the contrary, a seed in the ground will bear fruit. After all the the weather has gone over it, comes a time when you see shoots coming out of the grounds. You know, there was a certain a certain crop that we, a certain what we call a winter crop that uh, uh, my father was was sowing in our farm, and I still remember, uh, it puzzled me really a lot how the seed was not going to be destroyed. So this crop was being was being sown just before the the, the the tough time, the winter came. And so it was sown out maybe in, in October because in the northern hemisphere, that's now when it is, when it is uh, getting winter. Okay, November, something like that. And then snow came and covered the whole field. And I was asking my father, how, how, will it, how will it not die in this situation? Because the whole the whole field was covered with snow, sometimes 20, 30 centimeters thick. But underneath, something was happening. Okay? I remember my father taking me one time and showed me, you know, taking the, thing, the snow off, and he showed me the seed. The seed was actually germinating. Inside the, 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 the heavy load of snow. Finally, when the snow was melting, And everything became soft because, of course, there was a lot of water then uh, running off, uh, being left behind from the snow. Then all of a sudden, everything was green. And the wheat was growing in a marvelous way. So the weather did not destroy the seeds. To the contrary, it made the seed grow. And let me tell you, this is exactly how it is with faith. Faith which you are using for playing games is not faith. Faith must be proven in the trials and the troubles and the hardships. You know, we have just been reading all of this, uh, this long list, can anything separate us from the love of God? These things are real. But no, they cannot separate us from the love of God, but rather they grow our faith. Rather, they make us progress, go forwards, go to higher heights. So, don't be afraid when these things come. But thank God, thank God, for everything that He is doing. So, how can we toughen our faith in perilous time? Don't look at the perilous times; look at God's. Amen. Know that God has sown something powerful into your life. He has put a seed into your life that cannot be distracted by anything. But let it be able to do for what God has given it to you. Okay? So real faith must face the challenges. Must face the circumstances, and they will and faith will still grow. You cannot create uh, you know, uh, some kind of clean uh, nice surroundings for your faith not to be disturbed. It doesn't work that way. No, Faith needs to be in the midst of trial, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of challenges because that's where it's going to work and that's where it's going to bear fruit. Amen. Once again If your faith cannot work now, then when will it ever work? Because that's when it needs to work, in times like this, during times of challenges and hardship. The book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10, verse 35 So do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, okay? Why do you need to persevere? Because you're in trials, you're in troubles, okay? You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith, okay? So even in the trials, Even when you have to persevere, you live by faith and not by sight. And if he shrinks back, okay, why would one shrink back? Because things are tough, isn't it? And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Praise God. So, listen, we are not of those who shrink back. We are not of those who who are afraid of the the challenges which are coming our way. But we take them head on. Okay? Because God is is in control. God has given us faith that is indestructible. Faith that is going to bear fruit. Faith that is being strengthened, that is being toughened. Faith that is being built. Even in the most difficult situations in life. Jesus came. He was a son of God. But the Bible tells us that even then, he was, you know, going through all the hardships and difficulties in these worlds. In Hebrews chapter 5, we read that also he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Do you know that Jesus suffered? And if Jesus suffered, why are you afraid of suffering? Because you know, in that suffering, he grew. In that suffering, he toughened his face, his relationship with his father. He was bearing fruit. Also, he was a son. He learned obedience. Do you know that Jesus had to learn obedience just like you and me? And you learn obedience when it is hard. Okay, when all the conditions are made right, you don't have the problem to obey. It's when things are tough, when things are going contrary to your will and to your hopes and dreams. The Bible says, and once he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. And he was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek what a powerful word so let us understand God uses such times to do something very special in our life let this time not be lost on us but let it be able to do what it is being sent for what it is being designed for you see gold can never be gold without going through the smelter. Okay? You're saying, I want gold. And you have a a, a block of ore, you know? Well, maybe somebody takes it because he knows he can make gold out of it, which you don't want to do. But if you are not putting that gold into the smelter, then the impurities will not even allow you to see the value of that gold, which is inside so it has to go through the smelter the same process is true in our lives first peter chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 reads in this you greatly rejoice okay sometimes of course we don't want to rejoice in these trials and troubles isn't it but peter says in this you greatly rejoice so now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Christians are very good to run away from those things. Okay? They always want to go to a man of God to pray that he can run away from those issues. That is illegal. You know, that is illegal prayer. I'm telling you. It's not allowed. In fact, we have to go through these things. They are designed for us. Because, you know, we have come out of these worlds... We are still you know having impurities, we are coming from the from the uh you know fields of these worlds cut off some kind of you know, just like the mining they they're, they're getting all this this ore out of the ground, uh, and when it comes out of the ground, the value is not yet there. The value comes through the processing, the processing is what is absolutely necessary and important. And that is true for each and every one of us. The reason why we are here is because we need to be processed. Okay? If there was no need for us to be processed, we would already have gone. But we are here because God is processing us. God wants to toughen our faith. God wants to build us. So my question is, who can erase the plan and the purpose of God? We have already read this in the book of Romans chapter 8. No one can. God is for us. He has promised this. He has proven it. He has told us when he, before he left this earth, I will be with you to the very ends of the age. Okay? So why would we need to be afraid? We need to get a proper perspective of God Almighty. You know, he is not a sugar daddy who just gives us everything that we want, no. He's a father who trains us for battle, who trains us to overcome, who trains us to become valuable in his family as a true son of the living God, just like Jesus Christ. If you think that, no, God, you cannot do this to me, then look at what what God the Father allowed to happen to Jesus. I mean, Jesus died at the cross. Jesus prayed, Father, if it's possible that this cup can pass me by, please let it happen. And it didn't happen. The Father didn't answer that prayer. And Jesus said, okay, not my will, but your will be done. So why would you ask God for things that even Jesus could not get? Are you with me? If God, the Father, was dealing with Jesus in such a way because he needed to go through this process, then how much more us? Because Jesus was without sin, but we are not. Okay, We need to be refined. We need to be processed. You know, with Jesus, the only thing that God had to do in the life of Jesus was to test his will. You understand? Because he could have easily said, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. Now, he had no sin. He He never disobeyed the Father. But in that Garden of Gethsemane, where it was becoming so tough, and where, you know, the The the, the obedience was so difficult to to exercise. Jesus learned to say, not my will, but your will be done. That's what the Bible says, that he suffered so that he was learning total 100% obedience. Okay, and he did that. He learned that. And if that was already tough, how much more tougher Should it be, you know, to remove the impurities out of our lives that we have been born with, that we have been entertaining in our lives, that we have been growing up with. So let's not forget there is simply no other power that can exceed the power of God or the will of God. Okay? Let's not forget that Satan's kingdom is actually very fragile. Okay, you think that the the devil is strong. You think the demons have got power. Let me tell you they have no power. They're actually afraid. Because if any one of us should rise up and say, devil, get out of here, then the devil has to run. The problem is so many people are playing games with the devil. Okay, because the Bible says if you resist the devil, of course, he must go. Okay, no question about it, he must go. So the devil takes chances with the weapons of intimidation and the like. But eventually these chances backfire. Let's not forget that. Just like the kingdom of this world, you know, we see that all kind of challenges are everywhere in this world. Right now we have covid Maybe you've heard about the the, the high-rise building crash in Florida. You know, all of a sudden, a building just comes down while people are asleep. You know, we are building something that we think is very powerful, very strong. But from one day to another, things can turn around. You know, it's only the kingdom of God that lasts forever, that stands forever. The kingdoms of this world are fragile. Okay? Overnight, they can be changed. So, we enter an inheritance that can never perish. Praise God. This is just powerful. And that's what the Bible tells us very, very clearly. You know, that we have an, an eternal inheritance in Christ. Let me just read from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power. Until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. Hey, this is powerful. Sorry, my time is up. I have to end here. I've got a lot of more things to say, but I will say them another time. But let's just understand. God assures us of an eternal inheritance. Okay, the outcome of our life is determined. We are going to win. Amen? No amount of intimidation, no amount of threats, no amount of whatever the devil can do together with his hordes of demons will ever be able to succeed. It will always backfire. Always backfire. You know, the genius of man can only go so far and then he backfires. But God builds for eternity. But God builds will stand. My prayer is that these things that I have talked about, you know, please go back to those questions they are on your bulletin. Do you know that God tells us facts about our future? Yes, he does. And if you If you hold on to these facts, you don't have to be afraid. Why is it that there is so much fear? Despite God's promises and oath, why would you allow fear in your life? How can you toughen your faith in these difficult and perilous times? Okay? Let the seeds fall into the ground.